If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. You got your plans to do things right, I got my mind, it's all made up, we got our time, but now it's running out of space, you know my life is just a speck and your heart is on the same, see I've been staring too long at the screen. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr., back again for another episode of Dirty Mo' Radio's The Dale Jr. Download. With me as usual is... Tyler Overstreet. Hello. Uh, the intro song for today is Of Confidence by the Dangerous Summer, courtesy of Hopeless Records. Man, I love that stuff. It's a good jam. Yeah. So uh, we got a pretty robust show looking at your production sheet here. Robust. Yeah. All right, so Kansas race. We finished 20th. Got a lot to talk about here. Um, usually when we don't run good, we don't like to really discuss it. But uh, we had a pretty fast car. One of the things I want to say right off the bat is uh, – uh, this week before the race, we went to the Chevy sim- Simulator. Do you know that? Yes. All right. So, if for those that don't know, Chevy has this giant simulator. It's literally an entire car in the middle of a big giant room with this big huge screen, and you climb in the car and you drive, uh, basically like a video game. And in a room behind you, with uh, you know a bunch of windows and stuff are all these engineers, and they just kind of change stuff on the car. So it's kind of like a opportunity to simulate changes that you might make during the race weekend. Obviously, uh, the practice sessions we had for the race weekend consisted of maybe about three hours total. Two and a half, yeah. And during the day, so it was kind of different. Well, yeah. But so you don't have much time, and uh, you can sit on that sim and mess around all day long trying stuff so we found a lot of stuff uh, that we liked we took it to the racetrack and we tried it in our practices and man that made things go way smoother yeah it was fast right off the bat yeah the car did come out of the trailer quick uh car drove great and all the practices our mock qualifying runs were good and we were feeling pretty confident uh that we're gonna have a good day we had a lot of trouble getting through the las machine we joked about that on twitter and um, you got to laugh. Uh, if not, you would probably cry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we missed qualifying for the second time this year. The last time we missed it was at Texas, a similar racetrack. Also a good and race, though. I don't know if that's coincidental. Yeah, that was the last mile and a half. <clears throat> right. So what happens? Why are we, you know, to explain to people how that happens, there's a lot of confusion on, on uh, social media about it. Everybody from the from the drivers, fans, media, NASCAR even have their own opinions on why it's happening. Um, so I'm not going to assume that I know everything and I'm correct. But all I know is, one thing I do know for sure, is that uh, we went through at one particular point on uh, Friday, and it was incorrect. So we went and worked on it, fixed our little issue. Went back through on our own dime. Basically, you can go through any time you want. Right, because y'all ended practice maybe like five or ten minutes early, and they went over there. Intentionally quit practice early to be able to go over there and get in line and get it done on our own to check it and make sure we're going to be good for qualifying tomorrow or the next or the, the later that afternoon. So we go through. It's clear. All right, man, thumbs up. We're feeling good. We actually, after we cleared uh, the tech inspection, we went back to the garage and even made more adjustments to even make it more comfortable to get through. So we adjusted it a second time, even after we passed. And then when it came time to go through the tech inspection, we failed. Um, <clears throat> failed, I heard, failed twice. Yeah, I mean, we failed. Yeah. Uh, so we've heard a lot of uh, reasons as to why that might be the case. A lot of people think that the teams are just uh, lying through their teeth. Right, but there were 12 teams, Yeah, 12 out of, what, probably 40. I, um, I heard a comment from, I'm just speculating that it's possible that it could be the wheels, because the wheels aren't perfectly uh, 
they have a little run out, meaning as you turn the wheel, it might have an eight, you know, as much as an eighth of an inch of run out, meaning the wheel, you know, is not quite perfect. So it could be something as simple as like if you touch your wheel, an eighth of an inch, or if it roll, you know, if you if the car could pass, you could roll it forward a half of a turn of a wheel, and it could fail, just because the wheels themselves have some imperfection. Yeah. So. This uh, LIS machine is measuring and failing cars at ten thousandths of an inch, a very, very small, you know, measurement. And and the wheels have the wheels certainly have that much run out and imperfection in them. So uh, that's just one of the many, many uh, speculations on why this is happening. Do you, are you one of the people that think that it's inconsistent? Like um, I think it was Andy Graves from Toyota tweeted that they should have like a calibration car go yeah. across once an hour i wasn't sure reading that tweet whether andy was proposing that the machine's good and if they had a car that they could run over run prove it, it yeah prove it they could prove that the machine's good or whether he was saying that the machine is inconsistent and if they had a car that they just ran it over ran through it every hour that it would show how inconsistent it is i couldn't tell right but i did see andy's tweet it was and an interesting idea. Interesting, yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah, I think they should do it. But I mean, it's unfortunate because you get there was all these cars sitting in the line, and you know qualifying starting in two minutes. So like you're standing at your car, Matt yeah. Kins is standing at his car. Everybody's just standing around waiting to go through this LIS deal. You s- sit there, and it's like check, 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 then X. And then it's like, okay, well, we failed. We gotta go. Yeah. We're not gonna qualify. Yep. I like the system though that if you fail one part of the inspection process, you have to start all over. I like that. There's a lot of things about it I like. Uh, I'm not uh, proposing we reevaluate or make big changes. I just think we need to look at this LIS machine. Are you okay with the penalties? Like this week, you mm-hmm. had a 15 minute practice th- penalty, and you didn't get to pick your pit stall. You had the last yeah. selection. You're yeah. fine with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they need deterrence for uh, failing the LIS machine too often. Glad you agree, because I'm assuming we have another penalty for yeah. the 600. Probably do. Oh well. And you know that pit selection penalty is actually pretty critical. People, you know, people not, not might not realize how important it is to be able to pit your pick your pit. Um, if you look um, at the pit selections for race days, you'll see. That you know, no offense to anybody who may as, uh, may assume that they're a slow car, but there's fast guy, slow guy, fast guy, slow guy. Usually, like it you alternates. Ideally, between, would not be pitting right in front of Chase Elliott. Right. It it usually alternates where you try to pick around. Uh, the usually the slower guys, the guys that qualify, were you know in the back pick last, right? You know, so the fast guys sort of separate themselves by a stall or two as the, as they start picking pits through the top ten. And so that means that the slower guys pick those available spots. And, and it sort of really works out pretty well. You get to come down pit road, get in and out of your stall with relative ease. Well, when you don't get to pick your pit, pick your pit, you pick last, and you get put in front of your teammate. That is a no-no. Like, that had Greg Ives so sick he wanted to throw up on, on Friday night that he was having he – fa- he, he felt responsible for failing the tech inspection so many times that he had to – uh, let NASCAR pick his pit for him, and that put him right in front of Allen, the crew chief of the 24. So, you know, Greg feels terrible about that. I, I saw Greg Friday night, and Allen actually put his arm around him. Man, don't worry about it. I understand. And it had nothing to do with you pitting in front of him, but they, him chasing uh, the 95, got in that wreck, almost yeah. wiped out our front tire carrier, tire it, changer. It actually does have a little bit to do with us pitting in front of him. You think so? Yes, because imagine um, – Visualize the pit sequence on pit road. So Chase comes in. I have to come in around him. So when I come into my stall to go around him, my the right rear of my car is hanging out of my pit stall because I can't get into my stall without positioning my car in an unfavorable weight. And he has to really get aggressive to turn out of his stall to go around me. And he's thinking more about getting around you as opposed to who's coming yeah, in. Yeah, and he's a bit more aggressive. So he's driving hard, hard right out into pit road. And uh, the potential for him to have contact with the car, it just so happened to be the 95 that was in front of me, that the potential for him to have trouble really goes up, and it happened. So I think it all has something to do, uh, you know, us being there and having to pull around him to get in our stall definitely made it difficult for him to get out. 
it played a little bit of a role into that issue. Um, so we had a lot of vibrations during the race. Let's talk about that. I feel terrible for my team. You know why? Yes, because the, the immediate reaction when you feel a vibration is it's a loose wheel. Yep. And I, I was standing, I don't usually stand in the pit, but I was the other night. And you could see it like on their face whenever yep. that comes across and it's deject, like they're dejected. So they went to that hammer gun, yep. which is basically just an older model gun. Mm-hmm. So it's like a second, second and a half slower. That's why you came in 10th and you'd go mm-hmm. out 15th. Yep. It's not that the guy's just a terrible tire changer. It's because he's using equipment that isn't the latest and greatest because they were concentrating so hard to get those lug nuts tight. Yeah. So, also, uh, the social media aspect of that and the public perception of that is very hard on the team. So, if I come in and I, or if I'm out on the track and I say I got a vibration, I think it's a loose wheel, I mean, I got to be, uh, I got to have, I got to tell Greg that information. That's that becomes public knowledge immediately. The media starts uh, Tweet. tweeting that yeah. uh, oh well, they'll have a vibration, maybe a loose wheel. Fans start to react. Everybody in the industry, up and down pit road, in the in the, in, uh, the media center and everything, they immediately the responsibility falls on the the changers and the crew itself, the pit crew. So whether the wheel is loose or not, the perception is that somebody made a mistake, uh, which is unfortunate because. It turned out that we didn't have any loose wheels. Right. Yeah. So I'm here to say, and I think I've said it on Twitter earlier uh, Sunday night, or uh, that the the wheels weren't loose. There's some other vibration. Yeah. So there's a possibility that we broke a belt in one of the tires. That has happened there before. We've blown tires out because the, the belts snap in the tire themselves. Um, but Greg and the guys took the car back as it was as it left the track, put it on the uh, chassis dyno, and it shook. And so they went through the car to find out why this thing was shaking. Uh, they changed the tires, which helped. So the last set of tires that came off, the car vibrated. The tires themselves, not the wheels, not the not the studs. Okay. So there's an issue, you know, somewhere within the package of the car or something we're doing this year that created that. Another thing, too, and I said this also on Twitter, is every time we go to Kansas, we all talk about tires shaking. Uh, Clint Boyer talked about it, I I believe, during the race with his car, having some concerns about vibrations with his car. If you look back uh, through radio chatter from many races throughout Kansas over the last couple years, everybody talks about tire chatter and, and tire vibration. And it's never really loose wheels. It's just, for whatever reason, that track either snaps the belts in the tires and you get a set that shakes really bad, you'll take that set off. The next set won't shake. Uh, that kind of alternates throughout the race. Um, I didn't think about that during the actual race itself. If I'd have really thought early before the race even started, look, man, this is a place where a tire's going to shake. You might get a set that does. Um, I might have been a little less. So if you get that same feeling at Charlotte. Well, it happens at Kansas only. Okay. Sorry. So if it happens, it's track at, yeah. specific. So if it happens at Charlotte, you're gonna know it's a wheel. No, you never know. I know, but I'm just it's saying. A, sh- a vibration you- is a vibration. Typically, okay. So if a drive shaft shakes, that that gives you a, a specific a, a specific type of vibration that you can say, hey guys, I think we need to rotate the vibra- uh, the drive shaft. And what they'll do literally is take the drive shaft, unhook it from the rear end housing, flip it a hundred, uh, flip it like 45 degrees, 90 degrees, 180 degrees. Whatever. They may even change the entire drive shaft. That fixes that vibration. The last vibrations that we had, and we won't talk about vibrations much longer, yeah. uh, was all firewall forward. So I think we actually snapped the belt in the right front tire, um, and that just shook, shakes the whole car. Literally going down the front straightaway, you can see the windshield almost coming out of the car. It looks like it's very violent. And everything you know, everything in the car is just shaking like crazy. The, the, the shifter... Yeah. Everything. I mean, it's a. It was as it goes down the straightaway. This vibration gets extremely uh, ramped up because as you pick up speed, everything gets it gets shaking more violently. So ultimately, you were running thirteenth and then had to pit, lost yeah. the lap, made the lap up, and yeah, ended up twentieth. That was one of them races. One of the rare events where I wish we had more laps. Five hundred miler at Kansas. Yeah, I love Kansas. Yeah, yeah. I, I, lo- I like. I would take a five hundred miler somewhere else and swap it. 
I like Kansas. The track is a great track. The town, everything. I like Kansas. Yeah, it's a good place. Yeah. Yep. I didn't get to it's have great any. cycling out there too. That's what yeah, I saw. So yeah, there's this little park. It's four miles from the track, and it has a six mile paved loop. So we, me and Jimmy and a bunch of other people went over there, and we rode 27 miles Friday. Then we rode another 27 miles Saturday morning, and then me and Amy went back over there and swung on the swings. A lot of fun. Who did the boomerangs when y'all were? Was that a random person? That was Kenny. Kenny Jones, bus driver. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. We let the dogs go over there and run around. It was a great time. That's cool. Um, another big thing that happened, obviously, in the Kansas race was the accident with Eric Almirola and Danica and Joey Logano. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big crash and a lengthy delay. Yep. But now, obviously, Eric was airlifted to the hospital. Um, he's out now. Um, he has a T5 fracture in his back. But um, it's good that he's okay because he's our friend. He used to drive for us. Yeah. Um, but seeing accidents like that, what I mean, you've had really bad accidents before. But does that worry you as a driver, or is that just a freak thing because of what happened to Joey? What happened to Joey? He had like a brake rotor fail yeah. right front, and it just shot left. And Danica, I mean, that's your probably fastest yeah. point of the track. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that wrecks happen. Yeah, I um. Yeah, I'm glad Eric's okay. I mean, I've chatted with him a little bit through text messaging. Uh, he's a little disappointed because he's likely going to have to miss some time. And uh, that'll be determined, I imagine, if they haven't announced that. But obviously with a fracture like that, he needs to be very you know, careful and, and make sure that he gets healed up before he gets back out there. Another accident like that uh, with any kind of injury can, can make things a little bit worse. Uh yeah, he's a great guy. One of the one of the good guys in the garage. Super nice, and uh, we did have a chance to work with him. He drove for us over here at Junior Motorsports, so makes it a little more personal. Personal, uh, happy that anyone else. I, I mean, Danica's impact into the fence was just incredibly violent, um, and Joey's wasn't any better either. Really, I mean, all those guys are really lucky. It was an extremely uh, fiery crash just really dramatic and we don't see them too often but uh super glad everybody you know at least was able to uh uh to get out of there in one piece i don't remember the last time before that that i had seen a roof get cut off it's been a long time and i you know i saw that a little bit uh on social media somebody said you know it reminds me it makes me think seeing this process of them trying to get uh, eric out of the car is that we don't see this as much. It used to be kind of more commonplace, and that is true. Uh, uh, the cars are so safe, and we learn something new every year to improve you know, our ability to withstand those kind of accidents. Uh, the thing with the, you know, the one, I guess the one thing that concerns me is what are we, hopefully they're learning something about this, this, these back fractures. Denny mentioned uh, that you know, he understands exactly what Eric's going through because he had the same issue from a wreck at Fontana a couple years ago. Missed a race or two, did he? Yeah. So it was very similar as far as the impact. He had a head-on impact, lifted the back tires off the ground, the car slams back onto the ground. I don't. The, con- the actual hitting the hitting something head-on drives the drives the individual down into the seat, and it's a compression fracture. It's literally. Getting but you know sque- squished like a walnut, right? Yeah. So, you know, as your back compresses into the seat, uh, something got something's got to give. Uh, hopefully, they're learning something. I've seen, you know, I know I know NASCAR is definitely studying uh, studying this in house uh, to try to figure out a way to make uh, help us sort of withstand those style of impacts that Denny and Eric had that are creating these back fractures. Yeah. Um, so hopefully something comes down the pipe pretty quickly for that. That seems to be, you know, one of the one of the injuries we're seeing, uh, at least in the last couple of incidents like that. So uh, moving forward, um, Charlotte race weeks. There was some news yesterday about next week's Charlotte race, the 600. NASCAR decided to make it a four-stage race, yep. 400-lap stages. So that means there's going to be an extra 10 points on the line equivalent to the Daytona 500, how they counted the um, dual races as points. There's just a, a, an extra segment. Yeah. Does that bother you? Or, <laughs> bother me? Well, I th- it bothers me because they, they could have announced that 
if you're going to call it a crown, like you're basically calling it a crown jewel, very important race because it has more points on the line. Yep. They should have done that in January. I agree. In my opinion. Okay. I share your opinion. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it, but that's NASCAR, you know, they're, they're going to make some announcements <laughs> just a week before the race. Where right. So like, should we expect the Southern 500 to be run in four stages? Be ready. Okay. Could happen. <laughs> Could happen. I'm anticipating it will. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I think that, uh, yeah, I think it'd been nice to announce that earlier, but you know, there's, there's a lot going on leading up to the season. They're just trying to get the actual announcement of stages out. Uh, maybe there's not enough v- vision and foresight to see, hey, man, this, you know, think about the 600. Right. Four stages. Uh, until you, you know, once you get to that bridge, you're like, dang, this would be a good idea. I just, I wish they wouldn't change, like. Right at the last minute? Yeah, especially stuff that affects points. Ah, I get your, uh, so you think it. If they would have said it at the beginning of the year, I would have been fine with it. Yep. But don't, don't do it in, as the season's happening. Right. During the season. Because what if those additional 10 points make a difference somewhere? Well, they will. I know. Oh, yeah. And all the points thereafter, like nine, you know, second, third, fourth, they're getting points. Yeah. Yeah. So those points could make a difference. Yeah. But they didn't ask my opinion. Um, another track-related new or rumor this past week was that Indy – may be running their cup race on the road course next year. Yeah. So is this like a fad yeah. of people wanting to run road courses now? Yeah. So I think this is a bad decision. Um, I believe that in in the short term, if I have a racetrack and it has a road course and I'm my attendance is in serious trouble, in the short term, hey, guys, we're going to run the road course this next trip. That is going to work. People are going to be like, "Hey, cool, something new." They're going to go. They're going to watch. You're going to see, you know, set, spike in sales. Is that a long-term fix? No, because it's not going to be. Uh, it's not a traditional road course like Sonoma. Right. Yeah. Anything that's a roval where they actually use, actually use part of the outside track is going to allow the cars to get spread out. You see it at Daytona in 24 hours. Um, Anything that's not a roval like Watkins Glen and Sears Point doesn't allow the cars really to get away from each other, and you see them nose to tail, and you have that road course, traditional road course action that you like. And that's why they strive and continue to strive. This will work for a trip or two until the, the honeymoon's over, and then you're back to the same issues that you had at the track that you have now. What if they did, like, one-year oval, one-year road course, one-year oval, one-year and kind of alternated back and forth to give you a little something different every year. Mm. I don't like the road course idea because I'm an oval guy anyways. Well, yeah, I don't like alternating either. I just want – just fix the problem. That's not the problem. The problem is not the track. The I mean, the problem is not uh, – the problem is not the oval. It's, it's, it's like I think that if you switch to the road course, you gave up on the oval. How do you go back to the oval? Right, you're not going to admit a mistake. Yeah, you just, I mean you're you just really, <laughs> you're really, you're really, you know, you're really selling off the farm here, if you leave the oval and go to the road course. Now, if you have two dates, that may that doesn't yeah. look as bad, you know. If you're if you're Charlotte and you run the oval one time and then the road course the next time, all right. Yeah, that doesn't feel strange to me, but maybe this is Indy's last last ditch effort. I mean, if they don't... To if, make NASCAR work? Yeah. if they I, I, Maybe if they don't do something that gets sales, that they're off the schedule. Maybe this is a potential last-ditch effort for them to remain part of the series. I don't know. I've not heard any rumors. Yeah. But, um, man, if you go to the road course... You ain't going how back. How do you go back? Yeah. So, I think that the, I think the, issue, the issues with racing there have nothing to do with the racetrack itself. Yeah. You know, the physical track. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I hope they figure something out. I like, I know that a lot of, you know, a lot, I know a lot of people like road course racing and I, uh, you know, I'm on, you know, this is my last year. Add more road courses. Fine. I'm not a big fan of them. I didn't grow up wanting to drive road courses, but if you want to add more road courses to the series and fans are going to love that, do it. But these are not the style of road courses that are going to produce the action that you see at Sonoma and Watkins Glen. These are rovals. So. Once you come off the road course onto the oval, 
the cars kind of spread out. Right, especially Indy, because you run from the middle of one and two. Well, think about Charlotte. Yeah. They're going to come out of turn one. <laughs> Still going to be all almost the way around the track. Race. Yeah, it'll be, yeah, but they're, the cars are going to get so spread out. It is going. Yeah, it'll be pretty boring. It'll be cool to see once for me. Maybe the, not, it'll be cool to see one lap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the second lap, it'll yeah. be like, okay, whatever. Um, but also, moving back to Charlotte, the All Star race this weekend, you have any cool memories? Of that race as a fan, obviously, one big one for your dad was the pass in the grass. Yeah. Um, any memories from that or any other ones? Because I'm sure you went to that growing up. Yeah, I mean, I watched a lot of the all-star races as a kid up in the Turn 1 condos. They built these condos back in uh, uh, 86 or 85, sometime around then. They sold for $20,000 a piece. You can't get one now. Same condos, same decor. You can go up into these condos, and it's literally like walking back into 1985. And they're selling for over $200,000 a piece. What an amazing investment. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, we, I used to – I remember <laughs> – I'm just going to ramble here, but I on, on driver's intros, back when I drove the Bud 8 car, we'd ride by, and all the people in Dad's condo is the second floor all the way over to the right. And they would all be full. It would be full of family, and we waving. Now, when I go by there, there's nobody in there. Empty. Empty. Wow. Yeah. That sucks. So, um, there might be a few people in there at a random race, but I haven't seen anybody in a while. Yeah. But anyways, the uh, uh, so I saw a lot of races and had an amazing seat. Uh, obviously, the '87 pass in the grass wasn't really a pass, but uh, that's what they call that. Uh, that it was, was it. Was the almost lose the lead, but didn't lose the yeah. lead. <laughs> Incredible race, and as a kid, I was I didn't really understand. I was scared. Like I, I thought Dad was in trouble, and they were all fighting, and didn't realize. I guess through all the the back and forth between him, Bill, Jeff Bodine, um, the beating and banging, and all that, uh, the roughing each other up after the race. Uh, I didn't realize what an awesome thing I saw till later. Oh, I, so you weren't instantly like, "Man, my dad's a badass." Nope. I was like, "Oh man, everybody, you know, we're dad's in trouble. NASCAR's mad. Drivers are mad. Fans are mad. Fans are happy. You know, it was like a it's so much emotion going on and energy in that one event right there in that moment. As a kid, you know, you're watching this. I must have been twelve, thirteen. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't understand exactly what I'd seen. Now I regard that as one of the most incredible races I've ever watched. And when I, wa- when, you know, when I go back and watch that final segment and look, you know, Bill's car was incredibly fast. My dad did everything he could in his power to keep Bill from passing him, no matter what. And were, was, it, was some of it a little aggressive? Absolutely. That's a lot of money on the line. <laughs> yeah. At that time, that was an incredible amount of money. It was like 250 grand? Yeah. They'd never seen anything like that for a win, so yeah, dad brought the, dad brought uh, brought 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 his A game. The um, you know that's I've seen a lot of races there. Uh, that's probably certainly the one that's going to stick out the most. Obviously, we won the race as a rookie in two thousand. Do you remember when you won the r- race as a rookie? That was the one where the bridge fell. Yep. I was on the other bridge at about the same point yeah. when the other one fell. Yep. Walking in, walking yep. back. Yeah, that was a uh Yeah, that was a really difficult year too. Uh yeah, I think we just recently had uh lost Adam. Yep. Petty. So I remember the banners for that around the track and um I think that's why they had the victory lane moved to the front stretch and left the normal yeah. victory lane open in his honor. Maybe so. Yep. So that was a um yeah, that was a that was a incredible day. We uh had just won the Texas race and the Richmond race a couple weeks before, so we we really, you know, were just amazed to be in the race. Didn't think we were going to win it. Um since it's 2000, that was what, 16 years ago. I can tell you a little bit about how we won that race. So this is common now. But uh I'm learning. Imagine, like in 2000, I've ran two full seasons in in the Xfinity Series. Not, I'm still kind of green. Don't know everything about racing, right? Still don't know everything about racing. But uh, we were testing. They had an open test a couple nights before, and 
Tony Jr. sent me out on the track and said to go run. I'm out there running, and our car is way faster, right? I'm like, man, this thing is right. I mean, we're posting top t- top two lap times. Really thrilled. This thing's fast. Uh, we get to the race and go practice, and everything's cool. And uh, the car's pretty decent. Uh, in the first segment, we were in third. I'm thinking, oh, okay, um, you know, we got a top five car here. This is going to be great. We're going to have a good account of ourselves. I bounced into the fence, and the car got faster. Now, we didn't know nothing about rear toe and skew mm-hmm. back then. So I think when I hit the wall, I actually skewed the rear end housing, which would improve the speed of the car. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's one thing that I think happened. We slapped it pretty good off turn four. So the final segment. Uh, we did come in and get tires only a few laps into the segment, which tires were a big deal for that. Was it still a 10-lap segment yep. back then? Yeah. Okay. We did come in and get tires. There had been a lot of wrecks, so there was only about 10 cars in the race. So we lined up around eighth or so. But also, for that last segment, Tony Jr. didn't fill the car up. Tony Jr. only put enough fuel in there to run the 10 laps. So that put a lot of nose weight in the car, which is something you would do in qualifying to really improve stability and speed of the car. And so that's what he had done in the practice a couple days before, but I didn't know that. He didn't tell me, you know, he wouldn't tell me these little things. So we um, we go out there and hauled tail. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone else is, you know, I'm sure other teams are smart enough to do that, but that was one thing we would do that would give our car a credible amount of speed for a short period of time. You wouldn't do that in a race because you'd only make 10 laps. You couldn't, you couldn't run a race that way. But if it's a 10-lap segment, you don't need yeah. to put all that fuel in there for no reason. So the car was a little bit lighter. It had sticker tires, a little more nose weight, so you could haul butt. Um, when you got a little more nose weight, you can really hammer the gas. It'll eventually get tight, though, on the long run. Once all the fuel burns off, you're going to have too much nose weight. Yeah, but 10 laps. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Turn uh, In 2001, it's raining. Mm-hmm. They throw the green flag. All of us went down the corner and crashed. You didn't crash. Uh-uh. You just slid them. I talked to Steve Letard about this race. They won. 24 car. He was what, the car chief? Yeah. So all the cars crash. NASCAR says, all right, you guys can get your backup out. So they had like 15, 20, 30 minutes to fix their cars and get them ready. And they were they were cheating them things up pretty good. Because they didn't really, they had to, they weren't going to really take them hard or they anything. They didn't do like LIS back they then. Didn't ha- well, yeah, they didn't have that either. So most of the guys, at least, you know, the 24 bunch, uh, had their car wired for speed. Yeah. Um, Steve was bra- talking to me about that the other day. Ended up winning that race. Uh, 2002, I caught Newman on the last lap, bumped him, and he saved it. Saved it. So I catch him. I'm really fast. I got a great run. Hitting somebody off of turn two. It knocked him sideways, but I kind of lifted because I thought he was going to wreck. Yeah. You know, I hit him hard with the intent to knock him out of the way. And if he wrecked, you wrecked. I mean, that was... It was oh, a, so you would have been cool. <laughs> it was an all-star race. <laughs> if there's one race where you can wreck a guy on the last lap, that would be the one. Yeah. It was a lot of money. I think it was half a million dollars at this point. Yeah. Newman. As a fan, I was disappointed that he didn't wreck. Newman <laughs> never lifted. So I hit him. He goes sideways off of turn two for 150, 200 yards, full throttle, saves it. I lifted because I thought I was going to need to dodge him, get ready, get my car ready to get put in a position to miss him. Uh, but he he saved it. Hey, if if he didn't lift and he saved it like that, then he deserved. No to way win. he lifted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then he deserved to win. Uh, yeah. So that was a uh, that was one that oh man, I think about that one because the guy we were so close. we should have won. That was a fast car. Um, any other? I put on here the 2012 because. That was in the spell where you, you ran the Open for two years. One year, mm-hmm. you won the fan vote. Then the second year... We won the Open. Yeah, you just kicked their ass. Mm-hmm. And then you almost won the actual All-Star race that year. Did we? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. That's when you drove the black um, foundation car. Yeah. The, the original Grey Ghost. No. No? No, it was just the black and white for oh, the foundation. Okay. The original Grey, Grey Ghost was in the 08 All-Star race. Yep, first year with Hendrick. Yep. Well, that's enough about that all-star race. We got that going on this weekend. You'll be driving the Exalta car. We're driving the Exalta car. That's going to look good under the lights. Yes. Should be uh, great. I asked Greg. I said, you got something ready? You got a bullet for that race? He said, yeah. Oh. So we'll we'll see. So this is the start of uh, Jerem Race Week's 
There's a discount if you listen to this show. You get 15% off your purchase when you mention the code DMR15. What's the code? DMR15. And that's at the Junior Nation retail store here at Junior Motorsports only. Wait, Not, you mentioned the code at the desk? Yes. At the, yes. Yeah, just say Not, the code. Yep. Not the online store. It's just here at the shop. Is and there any, you whisper it or? You just say it like a normal person. Like me and you are having a conversation ha- right now. Yeah. You just say it like that. Say it normally. DMR15. Okay. And you get a 15% discount. Now through May 28th. That's only on the, it applies through. Through. May 28th. So May 28th. starting right now. Yeah. Right okay. now. Act now. Okay. And also, we've got Fan Day here at Junior Motorsports next Friday, May 26th. We're going to have podcast recording all day long in the studio. We're working on a special edition of our show, though. We're going to be tentatively outside, assuming it doesn't rain. And we're going to bring in the JRM drivers, Kelly, LW, Mike, whoever we can pull, which nobody can say no because you are the boss. And that's going to be a fun time. That will be fun. So yeah, that's... are we going to live stream our podcast? Hell yeah, yeah. Mike Davis is here. Here, here he comes. He's got something to say about that. Tell us, Mike. I say we do. Yeah. I say we live stream not only your podcast, the entire podcast, but we also live stream from the outside stage all day long. We can bring other things up there, not just Dale, yeah. but uh, we ought to do a live stream all day from Fan Day Junior Motorsports Facebook page. Sounds good. That's my idea. What do y'all think? Sounds pretty good. I like it. All right. It's going to be good? fun. There's it is. We're anticipating a great turnout. So. Yep. So I'm signing autographs. From 11 to 12. 11 to 12. There was, a, there was bit- a lottery for those, so those have been distributed already. All right. So those folks know what. Yep. Uh, there's Our podcast is going to start around 1230. 1230. Okay. Probably 12.30 to 2, 12.30, 1.30, something like that. Cool. Depends on how long we feel like talking. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it. And that is uh, May 26th, next Friday. Yep. Out here at Junior Motorsports. All right. Cool. May even have a special announcement. What's the announcement? May have a special oh, announcement. Oh, yeah. Are you breaking news? No, no, no. No, this is a tease, It's what's man. called a tease. We may have a special announcement. We leave the news breaking man, to I you. Man, I want to know, know more. I, you know what else? We may not. Ah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all you can tell us. That's all I'm going to tell you. I want to know more. Yeah. You need to come to Fan Day. Yeah. All right. Make sure you show up. All right, guys. We're going to get to our Ask Junior segment. As always, we take questions on Twitter, and we're going to do this on Facebook Live today. So if you're watching, send in your questions. Dale will answer them. I'll answer them if I can. We're joined by Mike Davis, as always. What's up? He's going to be our moderator, so let's get to him. Susie Q 88 asks, have you ever convinced your spotter, TJ Majors, to go riding bikes with you? TJ has a mountain bike, uh, not a road bike. But, so, I, but he doesn't know the difference, and he says that he'll go riding with me if it's around 10 miles no longer. He is going to be miserable riding <laughs> yeah. eight, ten miles on the road on a mountain bike. Is that right? But he doesn't know the difference. He's like, I got a bike. I'll go. So I'm going to get him out there. And um, he doesn't. He has a he he has problems with the seat being very painful. But he doesn't know any better to wear the padded shorts. I was going to ask that. I know that it's kind of getting to be an old question. But like, does he have to go wear the bike gear? Spandex, the spandex. He won't, he won't do that right okay. out of the gate. Neither would have I. All right. All right. Um. Here's how, and I'll have, I'll, Latart explain this to me the best. This is how it works. The first ride, you put on the spandex in your, uh, you know, you're in wherever you are, in your, in a, you know, bathroom or whatever. And you sneak into, you have, you have, uh, you've set this up beforehand. You've got the bike on the, on the car, you know, on the car rack, on the back of your Suburban, what have you. So you put on the spandex behind closed doors. You run outside. You jump into the car. You drive yourself off to somewhere uh, private so you can get out of your car without anybody seeing you. You get <laughs> on the bike, and you go riding, right? This is what you did in Atlanta. I know. This is, uh, I'm just saying this is everybody's first ride, when, okay. and this is, this, this is the spandex experience. So you don't want anybody to see you, and then you go ride, and your plan really is to do the reverse on the way back in. Ride, ride back to your Suburban, jump in the Suburban, drive back in, <laughs> haul butt into the bus, not let anybody see you, get out of your spandex. But after riding a bike for the first time, 
for 16 miles, your give a damn is gone. Good. And you ride that son of a gun right on. And you're so <laughs> proud. You're like, man, you know, I rode 16 miles. Spandex man. You come, you're cruising back into that bus <laughs> lot and you're roll, You're going in donuts, just cruising around, showing off to everybody that you just rode 16 miles. So that's really how it works. Now, um, we're very proud. Very proud of our uh, cycling. There's another cycling question right here. Are you going to do the assault on Mount Mitchell next year? No. Next year. So those guys rode, they ride, the assault on Mount Mitchell is 100 miles. They do 10,000 feet of climbing. The last freaking, I don't know, the last 30 miles or 25 miles is literally most of the most of the climbing. It's like 8,000 feet or so. Uh, no way. And they, you know, I was looking at uh, all of their Strava posts, and they're burning like 5,000 calories. Like, when- I mean, you to do this now, to do this, you have to prepare. You have to prepare days in advance as far as what you eat. You know, what you're doing to get yourself, your body's got to be able to, your, you know, your body's got to be able to do that without breaking down. We, we talk about riding 30 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles and bonking out. Like, I, you know, running out of carbs, running out of nutrition. You literally can't pedal anymore. You have to get off and call somebody. When's the descent down Mount Mitchell? That one sounds more fun. Yeah. Can we have that? <laughs> Can we start at the top? <laughs> that would be fun. That'd be completely no pedaling. <laughs> exactly. Just cruise. Yeah, we'd need some brakes. We'd need some better brakes. Not a bad idea. Yeah. Let's see here. Scott Glover 4 asks, do you think NASCAR should have a night practice if you're going to be having a night race? Boy, that'd be novel. Wouldn't it be? Yeah. You'd think you'd do that more often. Mm-hmm. Mm. Great idea, Scott. Let's see here. I'll keep on going. I won't make you, I won't make you expand on that one. <laughs> I don't think we have to. No, I don't think so. I like this one from uh, Savage EK9. What's your worst DMV encounter? He's currently waited t- over two hours. Where are you seeing this? This is on the top of my list. It's on the other page. Oh. Yeah. So, the DMV. Yeah. The wait there is terrible, but I don't know about everyone else's DMV. But how about the ladies in there? Our DMV is all female officers. They are not. They are no nonsense. <laughs> Wouldn't you describe them as no nonsense? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I have gone to the DMV together before. Yeah. They are awesome, awesome girls. Are they? But they don't take no crap. I, I remember one of them being quite rude to me, well, not to you. Yeah. That's how Is they that how it works? That's how it works. Okay, got wow. it. They love Noted. me. Yeah. Imagine that. I'm nice to them. Yeah, yeah. What? You're nice Y'all to them. Hey, listen, I'm look, not complaining. You know let, why? Let me explain. We didn't have to stand in line. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I go in there with a smile on my face. You yeah. think that's what it is? That's what it is. Oh, okay. Yep. I'm always smiling. You go in there no. with your with your your smirk and your brow lowered. <laughs> my smirk and my brow. Yep. It's a country song. Yeah. You just believe that smile is what's getting it. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Look, I think, you know what? You can see my smile in my driver's license picture. Oh, you have a smile on yours? I look so pissed off in mine. Yeah. yeah. You've it's got the experience. You, it's your resting face. Yeah. I think that's what they call it. Probably. How excited are you? This is from Doob Angel. How excited are you from uh, for this DIY program to start? Yeah, that's... we announced that last week. <clears throat> yeah, I am. I'm really excited about it. We uh, so we we bought this piece of property many years ago, two three years ago. Anyways, uh, we were thinking like, oh man, this thing's got to it's going to need a ton of work. I think when people see it, they're going to be really surprised we even tried to take this on. But this thing's going to need a ton of work. In my opinion, I just knock the house down and just make the lot bare and leave it alone. Sell the lot as is. That'd be an awesome show. And more fun. Not a TV show. <laughs> I'm just saying. When you see this house, this is what I would have done. But in the old town, with historic uh, folks, with the historic, uh, what is that called? Historic? District. District. Yeah, there's, so there's rules. You can't tear houses down. Uh, the historic society won't allow you to... Uh, to replace anything you want, they actually have to come in there and say they so there's a board. They look at this board and they go, well, this is the only part that's rotten. This is the only part of the board you can replace. So you literally got to cut the board in half or what, cut off the rotten end and replace the replace that only and leave the rest of the board. So that, I mean, how do you make that work, right? I mean, that's a real, 
that's a lot of that's a lot of hoops to jump through. And each time it's a process. Yeah, it's not like you call them up. Hey, look at this board. No. Well, no, no, no. The guy, com- I th- from what I understand, the guy comes out there and looks at it and goes, "Hey, all right, this has got to stay. This has got to stay. This got to stay. This got to stay." So, I, and maybe it's more than one of one actually event, but uh, it doesn't. It's not. It's not. Oh, call up the call up the guy and get him out here. We got a board. We got to look at him. It's not like that. So, anyways, I would have just knocked this whole thing down and maybe started from scratch or sold the sold the lot. Can't do it. Can't knock it down. It's an eyesore in the community. Going to have to remodel it. And that's going to make a lot of people around that area happy. Um, but we were going to probably be way upside down trying to remodel this thing, trying to trying to do the whole renovation. Financially, so I was thinking, yeah. Finding, yeah, so I'm thinking, man, what ways can we, what ways can we try to, de- de- you know, try to try to cut some of the cost and, we talked. We knew some people with the with the networks, uh, the DIY folks, and so uh, we called them up and said, "Hey, would you be interested in this? Come, you know, let's talk." So we've talked for about a year and a half, a couple phone conversations, getting the right people interested, getting getting in this guy's ear and this guy's ear. Finally, they want to sit down and talk. Yeah, it works. The timing's right for us. The timing's right for them. And so we decided to do a show. It's going to be a four episode show, real short series about specifically four 30 minute episodes yeah. yeah so it's really it's it's not a whole season it's not gonna be you know a five-year deal it's just we're doing this house this was a economical way to do it and that's important to say because there was reports like oh dale's found his second career yeah like this is gonna be my next career no i mean i'm not opposed to doing TV and TV shows and so forth. This this is fun. This is going to be a good time. Right. But this is the plan for this one. Is this is one, not. Yeah. This, this is, is not what I had in mind when I said, you know what? <laughs> I am. Uh, when I'm done driving cars, I'm going to go into uh, home renovation TV. <laughs> that is not exactly what was uh, in the discussion. But I think one of the things that we've always liked is to do things that are kind of outside the box or outside of the racing bubble. Preach. This is one of them, man. This is gonna this is gonna put you know NASCAR in front of some new people that have never seen it, and um, I, I'm excited too about the Amy piece of this. Absolutely. Doing it with Amy, she's an interior design. She's done that all her life. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a challenge too. You know, you're gonna see the frustrations of going through a process like that. It's all gonna be laid out there. Everybody's seen these shows. They know what they're in for. Uh, we also, Steve, our contractor, he's a guy we've worked with before. So this guy, the the Steve, he'll be another personality in the show that's going to be helping us uh, remodel this home. It's a, That's someone we know, we're friends with. So I think the show's going to work really well as far as the chemistry goes. Um, we're going to learn a ton. We, Me and Amy are going to be physically in there doing the work. Uh, and you know, going down to Key West and having to do a TV show, it's not a bad, not a bad gig. Yeah. There are worse places to go. If you're going to do a TV show, might as well, might as well do it. But but one of the things that I'm going to go ahead and put out there that I'm a little nervous about is when we bought this property, it was full of trash. I mean, literally the person that owned it was a hoarder and there was a bunch of trash in the backyard. We, we, uh, there's a lot of cats living there. Just a mess. We go back in there to clean all this out. At least, well, Sonny did. Sonny, my property manager, went back there, and they found about 30 scorpions in two days. And they kept them in a bucket, big giant bucket. I mean, just tons and tons of scorpions. Scorpions, scorpion mamas with like 10, 15 scorpion babies on its back. I mean, just scorpion hell over there. So I'm a little nervous about that. My mom got stung by a scorpion one time. I remember that. And her thumb blew up like three times the size. Didn't you keep it? Didn't you keep the scorpion? Yeah. You did. That, I, that scorpion came home and lived at Dirty Mo Acres That's for right. about six months. It did. I remember it. On, this, <laughs> on mosquitoes. <laughs> this is all true, folks. Um, I'm a little nervous about the scorpion issue. But, but, it would make a good episode. Yeah. Uh, I just it? know that we're going to have some scorpion problems. Yeah, you will. They're going to attack. Race Angel 64, would you ever consider being on Dancing with the Stars? No. Why? I hate it. Oh, my I've never. I don't watch that show. Do you have to watch it? Why does everybody why how did Dancing with the Stars become the go to question? That's I'm getting, what, yeah, I don't know. Is that is it just solely because of Michael? 
No, I think it's a very yeah. popular show. It's a very popular show. Well, I am. So was uh, so was the voice. People don't ask me if I'm going to go in there and start singing. You know no, why? That's no, that's no, no. up you know and why? coming. Yeah, yeah. You know why? Dancing with the Stars. I'm up and coming. Is if you didn't <laughs> not a singer, you're not. Uh, not a dancer either. Dancing with the Stars. It's you're supposed to be an amateur. I mean, like, it takes people that don't know how to dance, mm -hmm. yeah. pairs them with somebody that does know how to dance. The Voice in American Idol. That's just talent shows, right? Yeah. I Am I wrong? You, you would make it to the top three easy, just based on popularity. I think that's the nicest thing Tyler's ever said to me. <laughs> I think it's the nicest thing Tyler's ever said to anybody, including yeah. his fiance. I know. No, that's not true. <laughs> tell her I love her every day. Do you tell Dale? No. <laughs> I will never be on Dancing with the Stars. All right. There you go. He yeah. answered the question. Uh, Nation Nana. Nation Nana. Outside your family. Who would you say has influenced you the most? Hmm. Uh, dang. There, that's a long list. Uh, Rick, my my boss, Rick Hendrick, got to be at the top. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, probably him. He's probably influenced. Yeah, I got to go there. Yeah, and you can leave it right there. Uh, is there any other other uh, questions on the sheet that you want to answer? You've got you've got people asking you to do a hunting show, by the way, here yeah. on Facebook Live. You got that? Yeah. Well, um, hunting show would would probably be a little more up my alley than Dancing with the Stars. So uh, we just got done turkey hunting a couple, uh, a week ago. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're in, we like to bow hunt uh, for whitetail, and my brother's a big hunter, LW, my brother-in-law's a big hunter, my friends. So I see uh, Truex, me and him, we're great hunters, great buddies. I'm not a great hunter, he's a great hunter. Uh, yeah, hunting show sounds a little more realistic. Okay. So, so who knows? Plus, with our partnership in True Timber camo. That's right. Which I saw somebody on TV wearing True Timber camo. You tweeted Shep. this, and I didn't know who that guy yeah, was. Yeah, so there's a TV show on Bravo called Southern Charm that me and Amy watch. Okay. And Shep, Shep took uh, the, his buddies on Southern Charm uh, pheasant hunting. Uh, about a year ago, Shep had these hats with the American flag on them. And he's like, hey, check out my hats. So I said, send me two. And I said, I'll send you some True Timber. True, true timber camo stuff so we swapped some gear and he wore his on the show yeah last night last night's episode you wore his hat for I the darlington make... test so i think that's a fair trade i thought it was great yeah. I, I mean it's a, it's a hat with american flag on it man. i thought he was just wearing that true timber when he tweeted it i thought he was just wearing it organically no not yeah. organically yeah just like an instagram post <laughs> <laughs> man All right, we're going ahead and look ahead. Tuesday, we got uh, today. that's today. We got meetings at HMS as usual. We go up there uh, and talk to the team. Then we have a meeting with all the drivers and the crew chiefs. Yada yada yada. Should be all good stuff. Uh, NBC Arts and Crafts shoot. So this is a shoot where NBC gets all the footage. When you see us on the TV broadcast and it's all these little glamour shots like of coming us. Coming like, in and out of commercials. Yeah, going in and out. Of, I'm like walking down an aisle with smoke pouring out, carrying my helmet. Um, that's the NBC Arts and Crafts shoot, and Fox does one as well. Yeah. I don't know why they call it Arts and Crafts. I don't know. Because it, we tweeted, or you tweeted your Daytona schedule, yeah. and we had that on it, and somebody was like, what the hell is Arts and Crafts? I know. That's just what they call it. It sounds like they need to change the name. This will be the last one you have to do, so. I doubt that. Because <laughs> we have the Xfinity races. We'll have to do oh. the uh, arts and crafts shoot for the Xfinity races. That's true. That we run. Uh, we have an exalt appearance this afternoon. Yep. They're opening the build the training facility at, on the Hendrick campus. So that's Beautiful be place. Yep. Uh, Wednesday, production with Kelly, Justin Algar, and Advanced Auto Parts for Justin's Darlington Throwback. And it's, I'm excited. It is a... Have we revealed it? No. But oh, it is man. one of your throwbacks. Yeah. It's a throwback to me. Yeah. Which is really a first, I yeah. think. Yeah. Nobody's done a Dale Jr. throwback before. Yeah. So it might as be. well be your own car. Yeah. And we also have Catwalk for a Cause. We're doing the Catwalk for a Cause uh, rehearsal tonight. Are you walking? Yes. Me and Amy are walking. Okay. There's a lot of folks in it this year, and they moved it to a hangar over at Statesville. I'm going. Airport. You're going. I'm going. So at this this event, this is Catwalk for a Cause is uh, the event that Martin Trex Jr.'s Foundation runs uh, by Sherry, obviously. Incredible event. So much growth. When you're talking about drivers with their own foundation events, this is uh, the standard, yeah, in my opinion. Florida Georgia Line, which is yeah. a huge act. They're, yeah. 
So amazing work that they're doing, and they're pushing all the other drivers and their foundations to to get going too. You know. Yeah, it's become an annual tradition it during awesome. All-Star Week, so yeah. that's cool. Thursday, Freightliner production. So we do a production for Freightliner who gives us our trucks yep. and trailers. Yep. This right? is uh, Freightliner slash Thomas Built Buses because mm. they own, they build those school buses. Ah, So we're going to do some good. stuff with them. We have an Exalta Mako media event. Yep, that's at the Thursday. racetrack. At the racetrack, yep. Casey Kane's Foundation Dinner. So we're yeah. going to that. We've never been to that. Uh, I don't think so. No, it usually was in Seattle, yeah. I think. Oh, and, that's right. And he and, moved it here. Yeah. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Never been to Casey Kane's Foundation Dinner. Friday, we have all-star practice and then all-star qualifying. There's three laps, including a live pit stop with no pit road speed. We've been doing it like that for a few years. Pretty hairy coming on the pit road as fast as you can. It's cool to watch. Without uh, wheel hopping and then you know getting into your pit stall without sliding through. How fun is that? Mm. Or is it the first just time, just like it's just like the road course, uh, <laughs> running a, it's just like running a road course at Charlotte. It's fun the first time. Oh, um, it'll be fun the last time. Yeah, it's it's really yeah. <laughs> um, Six p.m. on Fox Sports One for All Star Qualifying. Saturday, we have Nationwide Autograph Session at Lionel. We do this every year. A lot of yeah, a lot of fun. A lot they raise fun. a lot of money for Nationwide Children's Hospital through that. So that's exactly. a good deal. Yep, we have the All Star Race. The All-Star Race starting at 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. The Open, open starts at 6. Yeah. The Open is on the same day as the All-Star Race yep. like they used to do it. Yeah. Isn't it funny how we do things right the first time, and then we change them. Yeah. Because we think we need to change them. And then we always come back and yeah. do things the way we used to do them. I'm surprised they're not calling it like a throwback All-Star. <laughs> oh, <man>. yeah. <laughs> All right. The Open starts at 6 p.m., as we said. Who are your picks to advance from the All-Star or from the open end of the all-star race, so I got to say Blaney. You think Blaney have been? Oh, yeah. So there's three guys that qualify in. There's a 20-lap, 20-lap, and a 10. Mm-hmm. So three guys qualify in that way. And then a fan vote. Fan vote. Yep. So you got Blaney. I got Blaney. I got Blaney, Boyer, Chase will win one of the stages. Yep. Danica will get fan vote. All right. There you have it. I, 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 like your, I like your picks. Well, that's it for this week's show. Appreciate y'all listening. Again, JRM Fan Days next week. Check us out. Take it easy. You got your plans to do things right. I got my mind. It's all made up. We got our time. But now it's running out of space. You know my life is just a speck in your My mind is such a mess, but there's these things I gotta do. You were my friend, but now you're taking off your clothes. I tried to look, but close my eyes. I took a breath and made you mine. You had your arms all tangled up in the moon. And what say? And now you took away a little more than just my breath. I swear to God that I was thinking about the summer. But the words that are wrong are the ones that saved my life. And I don't care if I will ever be the same. My hope in all of this I guess it never did exist I wrote those songs And took them all to heart You know I'm proud of what we did I left you naked and apart With your thoughts all laid up in your room So what if there's something that I miss? I know you found a way to start I see the mess that had you tearing out your head That's my excuse to make a mark The Dale Jr. Download and all Dirty Mo Radio podcasts are made possible by Exalta. You can subscribe to all eight programs on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all major podcasting outlets. As always, you can listen to Dirty Mo Radio podcast on DaleJr.com. 
follow us on Twitter at Dale Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo Radio. Also, check out the Dirty Mo Radio Facebook page. Today's theme song, Of Confidence, is by The Dangerous Summer, courtesy of Hopeless Records. listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 